All right. I am ready. I'm all yours. All right. Um, so, what now? <laughs> How, are you How are you doing, Jeff? How's okay. everyone doing? Happy uh, I would, John and Stephen are still going, so I would hope that maybe some people are going to join us when they are done. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it really is a first world problem that there's, <laughs> there really, there's so many to choose from, yes. you know, people. It's nice. Do you, do you know John? I do. Oh, not, from his, not from his articles. Just, just by reputation. Yeah. No, I, I met him. Uh, I did an interview with him after the DNC. He was. Uh, oh, you did? Cool. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's he's a very cool guy, very creative, interesting writer. And, mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah, so okay, so where do we start? I, I, I it's really hard. The, the the topic is still so very big. It is big. You know. It's hard. It uh, it's still the pieces are bigger. Yeah, but there's still unconnected pieces floating around in the air. It really Absolutely. hasn't quite come together yet. But do you want to start with questions, or do you want to dive into those articles that you were talking about? Um, don't know. I don't know. Oh, oh, the questions in the description. Yeah. So the people who are listening, there's, uh, there's questions from, uh, someone who wants to ask questions. Uh, I put them in the description. Please there's an do. article, there's an article that, uh, we're going to debunk, which I put the link to the article. I also put a link to some research that I did, uh, regarding that. Mm -hmm. Um, we are not for a loss of topics. That's for sure. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the, those those two topics, just for people that are just joining in and don't know what those haven't seen those articles yet, the two topics basically cover education and healthcare. You know, in terms of how uh, and, and and the purposes of modern monetary theory and the purposes of how we understand our macroeconomic reality, how we can as a nation, uh, since we are the government, it is a government of the people, by the people, for the people. How we as a nation can decide to fund uh, these very, very important social constructs, education, healthcare. Uh, there's, there's really two sides to the whole idea. One, that it must be funded uh, through the individual and rugged determinists, and the other one says that, no, actually, it's about resource allocation. You know, we currently allocate as many resources as there are available to the military industrial complex and to Wall Street. And we don't even we don't even blink an eye as a nation in terms of congressional spending. You know, we are Congress. We are, you know, we the people of the United States of America in order to form a more perfect union. They're talking about all of us. We the people we decide. And currently, as a republic, we choose the people that go to represent us, but they're supposed to represent us. We are supposed to be the ones in the driver's seat, you know. Uh, and collectively, as a nation, we are currently deciding that the military-industrial complex gets anything it wants, everything that it wants, and more beyond that. No questions asked. And Wall Street, any time that they want a law passed that's in their favor to help with the rest of us, it happens. Any time they need a bailout, it happens. You know, we get the shaft and they get everything. Um, so, but no matter how you slice it, it is about resource allocation. It's not about money. Money is irrelevant. It's about resource allocation to a federal government that creates its own currency and can control that currency, can control its rate, can control um, what it's actually worth, can control 
uh, its creation and control the need for that um, currency through taxation. There is a reason that you need this money. And it's not just to be able to buy your Big Mac, it's not to be able to buy your house. It's very convenient to do those things with this, with this money, but you need it to pay your taxes. That is why you need the cash in the first place. So uh, the question is not about money, it's not about affordability, it is about resource allocation. Where do we agree collectively that we are going right. to spend this money. Now, okay. Now, we are talking, of course, about good faith actors, that this is what a government's supposed to do. Yes. This, is obviously, this is obviously not what the government is no. doing. So, so <laughs> now, I would, I'm interested in getting my head around a little bit of what they are genuinely trying to do. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's easy to say they're doing the wrong thing, but they're not doing the wrong thing. It's from their point of view, they're doing the right thing. It's from... A, it, you know, you could say sinister, and from our point of view, it certainly is. From their point of view, it's survival and whatever they define survival to be. Yeah. Uh, but they are not teaching MMT and, and economics in school. They are not teaching civics in school. No. And those two, those two things mean that the population won't know about money and politics, except because Bernie Sanders taught us. They won't know about MMT until Jeff and Jeff teach them. <laughs> and so... So the people are really uneducated in some really important things. And I actually, I wonder what other major topics there are as well. Um, but so, so there is a reason, there is a strategy that they have. Yes. And from our point of view, it's horrible. But they, there is a definitive, they have a plan. They know exactly what they're doing. And mm -hmm. I would, I'm interested from their point of view not to go too in-depth but I am interested in their, from their point of view of exactly what they are doing. Well, I mean, the one thing that we can't do, you know, one thing that one should never even try to do uh, unless you want to become that which you hate is we should not uh, ascribe motive to the best of our abilities. You know, we want to be able to keep an open mind, but facts are facts. And as far as I'm concerned, if you go through the educational system uh, and you realize that all the uh, economic textbooks you know, that you're using, you know, revisions of or derivative of textbooks that were written in the 1950s and 60s before we went off the gold standard in 1971. The rules changed fundamentally at that time. Uh, so if you are an economist, you know, chances are you're talking uh, Keynes, chances are you're talking Marxist, chances are you're talking about all kinds of economic theories that were espoused many, many, many decades ago, long before we went off the gold standard. Uh, so I'm not expecting anyone that went through your standard economics course to be able to be aware of this. Uh, you, you need some detective work. You need some initiative on your own to be able to go through uh, just uh, what our, our economics actually is in the modern era. If you are running for Congress, I will give you the benefit of the doubt that you don't know because you went through the same educational system as everyone did. There was a time when I didn't know any of this stuff. Uh, but if you are in government, the minute you voted for your very first appropriations bill, the minute you voted for your first continuing resolution bill, the minute you voted for your first disaster relief emergency fund bill, you know. I don't believe for a second that you don't know. And if you are in government, 
federal government that is, and you are telling us that the government is broke, if you are telling us that the federal government is like a household, you can't spend money that you don't earn, you can't expect the federal government to turn around and spend money that it doesn't earn. It tells you explicitly that it is taxpayer dollars that go towards funding X, Y, Z. It can't possibly be taxpayer dollars. It functionally doesn't make any sense. Did, the, did, a, did that tax, uh, two, well, two questions. One is, sure. is are these lies? They are lies. Were they not, were they not lies on the gold standard, all of this? Yes, on the gold like, standard, did, did they even were not tax, lies. On the gold so standard, even taxes went lies. to pay, well, even be, taxes be, during the gold standard went to pay for things? I call it supplemental. You know, because functionally speaking, the federal government still creates the dollar. But because it pegged that dollar to gold, they made mm -hmm. a promise to the American people. Uh, for okay. every dollar you get, you will be able to redeem that for X amount of gold. It was never this, but functionally so speaking, let's make it simple. Let's say for every pound of gold, you will, it's worth one dollar. It's not that much, but uh, just to make the math simple. If I had a hundred million pounds of gold, I could only have a hundred billion dollars in circulation. If I had more than a hundred billion dollars and I only had a hundred billion pounds and one pound of gold is worth one dollar, I can't spend more into the economy than a hundred okay. billion dollars. As soon as I do that, then I actually start to what they call devalue the dollar, which right, so I could do, you know, but basically, if I have that situation, I can, now, I can now deficit spend, but now I'm going to take that tax back that I don't need. I can create more. But if I just create more and I don't have the gold reserves to back it up, then we've got a problem. So I will reuse some of those taxes to be able to keep a, a consistent money supply. Okay, so once uh, we take away uh, the gold, that changes. Okay, Mark Fabian says it doesn't pay for anything, and I and I, I can understand it because mm -hmm. taxes, even on the gold standard, it's very easy for it to not pay for anything. It simply yeah. gives the government space now to create more money. Exactly. Well, you know. Okay. Uh, with, with with the gold standard, they had to defend you know their gold reserves. If they wanted to spend more, taxes can be used for that. They could simply find more gold. God knows we could start a war and take someone else's gold. We could buy gold. As long as we can increase the gold supply, then we're okay. We have to if increase the gold supply or decrease the money supply, and exactly. taxes decrease the money supply. Or, yeah, or recycle some of that tax so that the dollar value, the, the dollar in circulation does not exceed our capacity of gold reserves. But we, we don't have the, the money value, anymore. the value exactly. of the dollar. Yeah, which we could do. We could simply say, well, it used to be $1, one pound of gold, but mm, for reasons passing all understanding, we're going to make it half a pound. You know, we can now have twice the money supply, but it's worth half as much. No one wants to do that. But again, uh, we're not on the gold standard anymore. You know, right now, the U.S. dollar is pegged to nothing. Buckus. It is not pegged to anything. It is free-floating. It is fiat. It is at will. The only constraint we have is, are we spending so much into the economy that people now have all this money and they are now spending, they are now creating demand. Do we have the GDP? Are we making goods and services sufficiently to meet the, the demand that we have in cash? If we have 
the capacity, then we don't have a problem. If we outstrip you know, the ability of the uh, country to produce, then we start to have an inflationary problem, start to have an inflationary problem. And to fix that, we can raise taxes, we can take back some of that demand. You don't have as much money anymore, we took it in taxes. Ergo, you can't spend it, ergo, there's not as much demand. We can float bonds. We can encourage people to save their money. Buy a government bond. You'll make some interest off of that. Where does that interest come from? Keystrokes. You know, we can have you uh, save IRAs. We can encourage you in any number of ways to take that money voluntarily and put it into a savings account, whether it be a treasury security or an IRA or a retirement account. And ergo, that money is not creating demand. Uh, we can raise interest rates, which makes it more difficult for you to borrow money, which means you won't be spending as much. There are a number of ways in which we can control the demand uh, before we have to adjust our spending. And quite honestly, I would rather have to deal with a little bit of inflation than deal with the forced economic austerity that actually kills people through medical malpractice, through medical you know, um, um, bankruptcies and death and austerity and homelessness and joblessness and poison food supply and poison water supply. These are all the direct results of a government that not only spends in the wrong places, most notably to the 1%, but also uh, doesn't spend enough on everyone else so that we have money. A couple, a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, last time we spoke, you said, um, I, I knew this before, but you, you like sort of made it real for me, which was that Obama said that we, a, a few times that, that we have to tighten our belts, we're running out of money, we're, whatever we're, it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's the same thing as Hillary Clinton saying in her book, which How is now in it, which is in now in that the, uh, the Stephanie Kelton article of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, everyone can have a pony as long as we can breed enough, breed enough ponies. So Hillary Clinton says in her book, Bernie said, this is Hillary Clinton speaking. Bernie mm -hmm. says, I want to give everyone a pony. Yeah. Hillary Clinton says, I like ponies, uh, but how are we going to pay for it, Bernie? Yeah. And Obama and Hillary Clinton saying this after being in the government for as long as they are, yep. it is obvious that they know how nonsensical that question is. Of course. And therefore, they are not on our team. They're working against us. I, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, it's, it's quite simple to understand that the lie they're telling us is a very easy, very sweet lie. You know, and it allows us to be able to allow them to continue the suffering. They are telling us that they are just like we are. Because you understand, you know, what your household budget is. You understand that you have to be able to earn as much as you can, and that's the money you have. And if you don't have enough, then you're going to have to go begging, borrowing, stealing. You've got to find that money somewhere. You've got to be able to go to a bank, get a credit card, take out a bank loan. You've got to be able to do these things to be able to finance your life or you have to be able to do without. Now that's a conversation we can have doing without versus not, but more and more people have to put groceries on their credit card. 
you know, because our wages have stagnated for 40 years while GDP keeps going through the roof. Our wages are not keeping up with the cost of living. And you're, you know, so it's going to be a very short conversation if one wants to talk to me about we got to be able to tighten our belts and do without. We shouldn't be taking out credit card. Fuck you very much. You've stacked the deck against us for so long, you don't even see it anymore. But we do. So all these people, you know, want us to believe that the federal government is just like them. And we believe it because that is our life. It's, it's not a hard leap to understand that if someone is telling you that they can't live beyond their means, you understand that perfectly. That is your life. That's why it's so easy for us as a nation, as a population, to believe the government, to believe the pundits on TV who say that the deficit is something scary, that the debt is something scary. Because when we hear debt, we know what debt means to us, but to the federal government, it is a completely different animal. We shouldn't even call it debt because it's not. It, yeah. Um, it actually, there's, there's, this is sinister for a number of reasons. One is that they just mm -hmm. want to simply make money well, more money, have more power. They power want to. Is what it is, yeah. You, money is a tool for power. They want to. Exactly. They want to. They want to make more money. They want to extract from us as much as they can. But mm -hmm. but it's even more than that. They actually want. They actually want to replace the government of the people with the government of the rich. And I know it's it's not as simple as just oligarch oligarchy that Bernie was saying. Mm -hmm. But it's when you privatize everything private industry and therefore the rich people that own those industries yeah. make the decisions for you. Mm -hmm. And so, make the money. And to me, that is the big part. If there is money to be made, they believe that it should be private industry that makes it. And there is clearly a lot of money to be made in healthcare. There is a lot of money to be made in education. There is a lot of money to be made in infrastructure. There's a lot of money to be made. And if government is the one that is paying and setting the price of how much they will pay, then that is competition for the private sector. And I would agree that if we're talking about automobiles, if we're talking about TVs, if we're talking about things that don't really matter to your life or your death, then yeah, government should get out of the way, set reasonable regulations so that we can have the free market that everyone says that they love, but everyone plays by the same on the same playing field so that people can enter the market and compete with you openly, fairly. But in that area, government simply sets regulations. They should not be into setting prices. But for everything that does matter to your life or your death, there should be no profit whatsoever. Things that are part of the common good, like our voting. We should never have private electronic voting machines with proprietary uh, software but that the, no one can look at. But that, that's a great example of rich people making not just money, but decisions, decisions Power. that Power. they feel they feel like they are better judges of yeah. what's best for us than mm -hmm. the government. So, yeah. yes, they're going to make money on Medicare for all, not uh, by not allowing Medicare for all, by privatizing mm -hmm. Medicare, and privatizing Pri schools and privatizing in infrastructure. I mean, this whole right. infrastructure they, bill not, they got two uh, two hundred billion 
you know, in infrastructure, and the government is kicking in a small percentage of that and expecting private capital to pick up the rest, which they will absolutely do, and privatize all your roads, there'll be a toll on every corner. But, but even, even trickle-down economics mm-hmm. is the whole concept of, I mean, yes, on one side, it's, it's not on one side, it's just the, the first thought that comes to mind with that is you trust rich people, you don't trust poor people. That's mm-hmm. why you give the money to the rich people so they can make a decision. Yeah of who should and should not get the money. And since greed, it most often does not make it much at all. No. But $15 an hour minimum wage, uh, uh, social security, uh, uh, there, there are so many examples where it's not just making money. Uh, uh, the in, net neutrality, now the ISPs get to determine free speech. Now the Absolutely. billionaires get to determine free speech. Yeah. Why, why do people, why, why is it so common that uh, you know, the kids uh, in Parkland protesting guns are now being blamed uh, that uh, it's a George Soros thing because only rich people can make the decisions. So rich people assume that only rich people are the ones that can be powerful. And since these kids are powerful, they have to ascribe it to, you know, George Soros or something like that. When I did my town hall, I was apparently a paid actor. I had no idea. I still am waiting for my check. You know, anyone that stands up, you know, to the powers that be, anyone that challenges the status quo, anyone that challenges their money, which is tantamount to challenging their power, is clearly a paid actor. Clearly, you can't possibly hold that opinion on your own. There's no way. And if anyone does dare organize anything in any fashion, the very organization proves that it can't possibly be real. It's also, it's also um, the wealthy obviously have a lot of wealth. And they want to shame paid actors is having is making you shamed for having money, yeah. which in your case is not true. But it also just shames the people that if you are being assisted by any money at all, then you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, paid absolutely. actors, paid actors, paid infiltrators. Yeah. And uh, because it, you can be uh, marginalized at that point. And actually, Mark Fabian. No, I'm, I'm not a Russian agent. I am actually a, a, a paid actor. Yeah, just so just so we can get that cleared up. And uh, Mark is saying, "Hold on, not really yeah. just having more money that can be spent in a lifetime is not about wealth. It's about measuring how far they can distance themselves from the rest of us." Well, I think that's a that's actually a, a byproduct. I think in accumulating well, they, in accumulating their power and accumulating the distance between the 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 uh, the haves and the have-nots. They have to isolate themselves. They have to go between their behind their gated community. They have to separate themselves uh, because, because the more the, and more yeah, people they, wake they, up, the more in danger they actually become physically, which disgusts me. I hate violence, and I want to say here, right here, right now, I do not and, want an armed revolution. But that's why I want this revolution so that we can fix the things that need to get fixed now while we can before it gets to something as horrible and heinous as that. Well, I, I really, yeah, I don't see that happening, to be honest. I think that uh, a whole lot of people are going to be suffering before something big changes. But, but, we'll see. but yeah, um, but yeah, if they extract wealth from you, you become angry with them. Yeah. You start to express yourself. You start to protest. They, yeah. want to not, they don't want to hear it because it's just too much. And they know that they don't want to have to actually do what it would take to stop it. So, yes, they create their gated communities, which makes them farther away from you. And then they hear the, the protests, and, and soon enough, it becomes that uh, uh, disgust. There's a bigger word for disgust. Uh, the, contempt. There's a, there's a lot of contempt. Contempt is a good contempt. word. Contempt. Yeah. 
they, they get contempt for you mm-hmm. and now they don't know you. And it turns into that you become uh, meaningless and, and worthy of defending yourself against that. that yeah. That's not quite elegant, but that's how, that's how this, you know, this class war or whatever it is that we become the enemy. We become, you know, the rats that are trying to just, you know, swarm around yeah. them. Because, and they become afraid of us. Yeah, because at all times, we're always looking for handouts, aren't we? It's always about handouts. Always about handouts. But they don't want to look at the fact that, you know, the 1%, the oligarchs, uh, are the biggest recipients of welfare in the nation, in the world. Uh, just the very idea of the national debt. Every time a corporation uh, holds treasury bills and get interest on that, that's corporate welfare. We don't need to issue debt anymore. We don't need to issue treasury bills ever again for the purposes of financing anything. They get issued as a knee-jerk reaction. It's a creature of the gold standard. But in the modern fiat world, we still issue debt because Congress demands it. And the recipients of this uh, are the beneficiaries of free money. So if you are a corporation and you have extra money in your account, you've got a million dollars or $10 million, you want to be able to save that money and get something on your return, part of your corporation's portfolio will go into T-bills. And it's safe, it's secure, and you will get, every time it matures, you will get free money for all intents and purposes. It's free money. That's, the, that's one of the main purposes of uh, issuing debt in the first place because corporations can afford to buy large amounts of it and get large amounts of cash annually. Every time one of their T-bills matures, they get money. That's corporate welfare. You're and saying I, issuing debt. You're saying issuing debt. That, that doesn't exist. So what does that really mean? What it means, we call, again, we call it debt. You know, every dollar that you have is a liability, a liability of the federal government. So technically, any bills that you have in your pocket, any ones and zeros you have in your account is technically debt to the federal government. You know, they, they used to be debt. Because it's not national debt. Well, it's, okay. it's, it's national savings is what it is. Okay. It's a national okay. savings account. It's either money in your pocket, it's money in your bank, or it's money in an IRA or money in, uh, in a treasury bill. It's money of the federal government. All the, the accumulated amount of federal government money that has yet to be taken back in taxes. That includes everything you know, in uh, treasury bills. So when a corporation making record profits, you know, take your pick of anything in the oil industry, for example, ExxonMobil, billions of dollars in, um, in profits, and they will take a portion of that and they will buy treasury bills because every time the government deficit spends, the Congress demands that they issue bonds to offset the difference between what they expect to get back in taxes versus what they are spending. That's the way it used to work when you had a gold standard, when you had to defend. But we're not on a gold standard anymore. We don't need to actually issue any debt. We don't need to issue any bonds to make up that difference. They just still do it. And it has a but different But it doesn't necessarily now. harm because it's but it doesn't harm because it's voluntary. Of course not. It's voluntary. Whether it be a corporation, whether it be a private person, whether it be a, a different country, it doesn't matter. These are dollars that already exist in the world, in the economy, it, either domestically it, or internationally. And they are choosing to take these dollars that they earned 
and they're willing to buy treasury bonds. And they're willing so, to accept all the interest payments that come with that, which once these bonds mature, they move from their checking accounts at the Fed, they buy the treasury bonds, which are basically now a savings account at the treasury. When it matures, this money that was not spent because it was not needed to finance anything gets transferred back through keystrokes from one account to another. And as they transfer it back, they simply mark it up with the interest. Your tax dollars did not go towards that. Your tax dollars did not pay for the national debt, for the interest on the national debt. Didn't pay for it. It was simply keystroked into existence. That's it. Yeah, I actually read the first half of the Mosler book, the first, yeah. the first part with, with the seven... Seven uh, innocent deadly frauds. Right. I didn't read the part two or three, but the first part has the seven deadly frauds. And one, uh, in, in one part, uh, taxes don't pay for anything. He's, he says something interesting, which is the Treasury, which is the National Bank or yeah. Federal Reserve or whatever it is, actually does not communicate in any way with the IRS. <laughs> so, so that the IRS collects taxes, simply checks off boxes for everyone who's paid their taxes, mm -hmm. deducts that number from their own computers, yeah. but that – that's not transfer anywhere. It just dies. There. Exactly. And because that, the Fed, the... and that is what modern monetary theory describes. It describes the monetary system, all monetary systems, the Eurozone system, the pound sterling, the Canadian dollar, the U S dollar. It describes dollar creation, which in this case is the U S dollar. And it is created when Congress spends, when they write a bill, it gets signed. The treasury creates it through keystrokes. That's the birth of the dollar. Then it describes the circulation of that dollar. How does that dollar circulate through the economy? And then it describes the death of the dollar, which is taxation, which as you just pointed out, once the IRS has taken your payment, they you know, debit your account. Instead of crediting it, they debit your account and that's it. Doesn't it doesn't go anywhere. anywhere. It doesn't go doesn't anywhere. Go anywhere. It's not your money has now been destroyed. It has been taken from your account and goes nowhere. Just disappears. Um, uh, okay, could could we go to the um, the three questions in the description? Do you have yeah, access please. to that? I okay, don't. I, you... I'm just looking at me and you, so you just read okay. it and I'll answer it. Sure, give me a moment. Um, I would leave okay, calling it the economy. I'm just reading Teresa's question here. Okay, uh, too confused do that the and then I'll, when, you're, yeah. when you're done, I'll, I'll do, give you the question. Yeah, Teresa, it's probably going to have to be a while before we can get the uh, the masses to agree that it's not debt, that we should call it something else. Uh, but we should start now. <laughs> we should start now. You know, we I don't want to just go along to get along. I want to be able to shake things up. I want to change things. I want to be able to get things so that everyone realizes what the operational reality is, because it is how it works now. It's not something that we need to implement. It's something we need to understand so that we can get the politicians to understand that we know it. So every time they tell us that we can't afford it, we say, ah, no, we know we can. Every time they tell us that, you know, we're going to have to cut taxes, the, raise taxes or no, we know we don't. You just simply decide to do it. Taxes. The word, separate. the word afford needs to go away. Yeah, from the federal word, level, the word yeah. afford is really just misleading in and of itself. Well, yes. And misleading with a purpose, in my opinion. You know, of course. Want, so, yeah. so we need to stop saying, oh, no, we can't afford it because that, that doesn't even really make any sense. Or, you know, or OK, fine. Then we say, oh, yes, we can do it. We can do, do it. it. 
We know exactly how it can be done. You simply write a bill, decide how much you're going to spend, and then you spend it. You know, that's it. And we will decide how much taxes need to be raised or lowered to be able to keep a even economy. Yeah, we need we need to come up with a new we need to come up with a replacement language for the for the really damaging yeah. uh, language. Uh, afford is this is first and foremost, I think, mm -hmm. and and how, what okay. you just said that we can do it is a is a perfect replacement that actually yeah. makes sense. It and it's can simple. be done, and we should replace the word federal budget with you know. I, I'm, I want to find a small word. You know, what I've been thinking about is, is simply, you know, our uh, planned allocation of resources. I don't know. I haven't really come up with a cool phrase to replace well, budget. Define, because define budget, it. Def well, define budget, it briefly. Well, budget, is, you know, su it supposes that you have X amount of money to work with and you want to be able to work within that framework. You are budgeting your, you know, uh, your money. And with the federal government, they are budgeting there, but they are budgeting their resources. They are budgeting their the allocation of resources. But I would like to substitute uh, budget with something else because, again, it's the lie that is very seductive to the American public. You know what debt yeah. is to you. You know what budget is to you, and it's all about money because you yeah, are the national a currency user, not a currency issuer. So, from the federal government, I would like to see a new. Um, vocabulary emerged so that we could always wow. be differentiating. No, we, we, we need to come up with it. We, we, we have MMT, we're teaching people, we need to yeah. come up with it. But, but actually, that, that's interesting because I don't really actually get now what there, every year there's a budget, right? Every like a trillion year. dollar budget or whatever it is. And is that just a decision of these are the bills that we are going to write? Yes, it is simply a decision about, you know, we come up with a budget, we are saying these are our priorities for this year we but they go through bills they go through bills yes you know we have a budget you know and then there are bills bills that will add or subtract to, to, to the budget you know budget so. and, ta and taxes it, i mean uh, uh, bills to the, the budget to start determines the bills that we're going to make which is spending and mm -hmm. the taxes that we're going to take which is the, taking the, which is taking essentially it is the death of dollars okay all right so let me ask the first of these questions go ahead um do you think we could utilize MMT educated deficit spending to fund a gun buyback? Can we still afford a gun buyback even though the program would decrease our real resources overall? And before you answer that, that immediately makes me think of we could buy back the fossil fuel industry. Yes. We could, uh, I mean, pretty much anything like that is is a choice we could buy the private insurance and just medical insurance industry mm -hmm. i mean that's the, sort of the same thing Which i think a... if i could try and answer this and you'll tell me how sure. i'm wrong go ahead <laughs> um uh, I, I think a gun... Maybe you'll be right um i have faith i'll be wrong uh, <laughs> so i think a gun buyback is probably pretty small potatoes and that it could be done pretty quickly even though we have a ton of mm -hmm. guns here Mm -hmm. Even though it would take resources out of the economy, um, I don't see that. I mean, people don't want it. A lot of people aren't going to fight very hard. But monetarily and resource-wise, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. It's not a big deal. You know, to, from, from, again, from an can-we-do-it standpoint, does the federal government have the necessary resources to buy back all these guns? Yes. Absolutely, 100%. They have no financial restrictions. 
their only restrictions are in real resources. Are they going to be putting so much money into the hands of people who will actually spend it that we could actually have uh, a inflationary problem? That is something that would need to be looked at every time they want to be able to spend. Now, I can't sit here right now and say that if we buy back all the guns, that we would not have an inflationary problem. I doubt seriously that we would. You know, simply but even because. If, but even if we do, we'll just say over the next five years kind of a thing as opposed sure. to. You know, I mean, like I said, there's any number of ways that we can cool everyone's jets, you know, uh, from, uh, from an inflationary standpoint. And if the biggest problem that we had is an inflationary problem that we can control and we got rid of all the guns, don't even bother spending five minutes talking to me about this. The answer is yes, do it. It's not even worth discussing the ramifications of inflation. I, you know, but by all means, take a look at it. Find out what kind of inflationary problem we would have. How serious? How could we deal with it through taxation or floating bonds or interest rates or whatever? Uh, but if, if it's a question of can the federal government do it, the answer is always yes. I don't even care what your question is. The answer is always yes. The question should be, should the federal government do it? And then the question should be, if the federal government is going to do it, what are the ramifications going to be? And can we deal with them? That's and it. if you pay, never about if you can. pay, if you pay people money for their guns, yes, that may allow that may give them incentive to to stop being quite so passionate about the Second Amendment. <laughs> well, the interesting thing about the Second Amendment, I mean, I know this is not really what we're here for, but I just want to be able to say about the Second Amendment, 250 years almost of uh, Supreme Court law, every time the Supreme Court had to hear a case about the Second Amendment, they absolutely, positively, every time affirmed that it was not the individual's right to own a gun for self-protection. It was for the purposes of being a check on the government. There's going to be a militia. The militia does not supply you the gun. You must supply your gun. Ergo, the government should not be able to stop you from buying a gun so that you can join a militia. It is not for self-protection. It is not for home protection. 250 years, every time it's come up, that's been the argument. It took the NRA, starting in the late 70s, early 80s, 30 years to change the national conversation to change the mood of the country to make sure that there was enough public pressure so that when it did come up just a few years ago, the first time the Supreme Court ever said, yes, it is for protection. Right. Okay. But the Supreme Court obviously can change its mind. Yeah. Pretty scary. Yeah. The union, the union decision that they're, they're looking at right now. That's pretty yes, scary. That is a very scary thing. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Carmen, Carmen Munoz says, buy back the guns, melt them down, rebuild a bridge with melted down guns. Or no, Mark says, Mark says that. Um, that would be someone, a bridge too it, far. He says a bridge to prosperity. Um, okay, so question two, question two. Does MMT require a job guarantee? Could the guaranteed wage fall below what we consider to be a living wage or even lower than the, min than the minimum wage? if inflation were high enough. Okay. You mean to read that again? No, it's, it's simple. Uh, first and foremost, I want to be absolutely certain that we understand each other. MMT is simply currency analysis. That's all it is. MMT does not require a federal job guarantee. 
no more so than it yeah. requires yeah. spending on the military industrial complex. This is very clear. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, now, I get that. I get that. Yeah. For, tho for those that want to have, that, that want to be able to utilize the knowledge of modern monetary theory uh, and be able to change how we spend, how we allocate our resources in this nation, yes, the federal government can create a federal job guarantee. I think they must. I think it is a de facto reality that they can't turn their back on. There is nothing more important than making sure that we get green energy and that we need have a job for every man and woman that wants one. And the ramifications, there's no end to what we could do. You know, green energy right now, we can simply say to all the fossil fuel industries in Saudi Arabia and Venezuela, all of you motherfuckers, go to hell. We don't need you. We have all the technology we need right now to retool this nation for green energy 100% right now. We don't have to wait, as Tulsi Gabbard is saying, until 2035. We can do it now. I'm not saying right now today. It will take a while to bring the infrastructure up. But if we choose to do it, we can do it. We don't need to phase it in over such a long period of time. Second, you know, we can make sure that everyone is guaranteed a job. The federal government will pay it and the states will locally administer it. Every community knows what they need to be able to thrive. Every community knows where they need a little help, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And so we just simply say, how much do you need? Boom, there it is. You now employ the people in your area and they will be able to thrive. And that will be a living wage that will be dependent upon where you are because $15 an hour may work in somewhere in South Dakota, but it will not work in Manhattan. And why should the person in Manhattan not be able to have a livable wage and live in Manhattan? So they don't have to commute from White Plains, you know, and then come all the way down to Manhattan. You know, yeah. so it should be locally administered, you know, the federal job guarantee and the minimum wage needs to be localized so that everywhere yeah, you go, you have a, a minimum wage. And then the private sector will now have that kind of competition and says, well, if you want to be able to succeed, you're going to have to compete with whatever the uh, uh, whatever the federal job guarantee is. Paying. Eliminating competition. I didn't actually think of that angle. Yes. Yeah, it's eliminating yeah. competition. Well, but keeping things an even playing field, because now we can actually start to build an actual free market. You're not going to have uh, subsidies, you know, to the point where you can actually crowd out. Because we have right now, we, we always say that we don't want the government crowding out the private sector. No, but what we actually have through uh, the, mm. the defeating of antitrust laws, we have the private sector crowding out the private sector. We've got in, the, in the industries that, that our lives depend on, right, exactly. as you said earlier. Exactly. So, so we want to crowd them out. We want to crowd them out with medical insurance, for, for we instance. We want to absolutely eliminate insurance companies. The pharmaceutical companies, the medical manufacturer companies, you are providing something necess necessary and essential. Hospitals, clinics, doctors, nurses. Pharmaceutical. We do not, you do not work for the federal government, but you will be paid by the federal government. And there's nothing stopping the federal government from paying you handsomely, from paying you well. Nothing stopping them at all. Uh, they only and have you get amazing benefits if you work and for the you'll government. You'll get amazing benefits. You know, but, the th but that's the other thing is that if, if we have Medicare for all that pays for everything, you don't have to buy supplemental insurance 
You know, I'm sorry, AARP, you're going to go away. We will help you retool. We will, because there will be a federal job guarantee, no one will be unemployed. We will have means of being able to get you into other industries. If you're in the fossil fuel industry, if you want to go green energy, we will help you retool 100%. If you're not interested, thank you very much for your disservice to the country, and goodbye. You know, the free market will help you go away. Uh, but again, th this is the allocation of resources that MMT says we can do. You know, right now, MMT says everything is working exactly as it should be. The dollar is being created, it is circulating, and it is dying. We are the ones that are determining how it circulates, you know, either with our action or our inaction. Uh, and right now, we're in a situation where our inaction has allowed the dollar to circulate right to the 1% away from um, us. I wouldn't call it an action, but, but it's uh, the choice. Um, well, our inaction as a nation to not tell Congress to stop fucking around, you know, stop busting up the unions, stop, uh, you know, destroying the educational yeah, system. Yeah, well, again, that's good faith actor. They're, they're not fucking around. They're doing exactly what they want to do. But at, at our we, from our we, point of view, yes, because of course, we let of course. it happen. It is our government. You're, you're talking to the, you're, yeah, you're talking to the people. The people are in action. I wouldn't exactly yes. call it an action. They're really well, been screwed and, and manipulated and whatever, but I, I get your point. Much, yes. I get your point. Mm -hmm. um, uh, okay. The minimum wage is very closely connected to uh, Medicare for all. Yeah. Because, or single payer, whatever. Because businesses complain, oh, I can't just all of a sudden pay my employment, forgetting, you know, that it's phased in, that I can't, I can't afford to pay my employees $15 an hour. That's crazy. I'll go out of business. But if Medicare for all, if you don't have to pay for their medical insurance, mm -hmm. then, yes, you can much more easily afford it. So those two are very closely hooked together. Not to um, mention the fact that if people have more money in their pocket, we have to remember how our economy is structured. The economy runs on sales. If you don't have customers for your business, then you don't have a business. So you don't have people buying your, buying your stuff. You can't afford to hire workers. You don't really have a business to begin with. So you st everyone now has to pay their workers more. You also get the savings, as you point out, that you don't have to pay for health insurance, which was a huge deal. Uh, but now everyone has more money. Now you can actually have more customers. But now there is more onus on you to have a business that people want to buy. People want to spend money. Right. I, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. That you and trap that's the free people. Market. You trap people. You trap people, and you make them desperate. So you don't have to be as inspiring as as uh, you yeah. don't have to work as hard because yeah. they're desperate. So yeah. when it's all of a sudden, yeah, that's interesting. So as soon as they don't become desperate anymore, then you have to start being creative. Yeah. Um, so, I, but I wanted to ask the, the minimum wage and 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 uh, single payer are very closely hooked together. Yeah. And I, I and as a quick aside, I incredibly important point that single payer is not just about health; it's about power because oh, yeah. it means people are trapped in their jobs. Yeah. And People who should be running for office can't run for office yeah, because they're trapped true. in their job, yeah. which, is an, which is a huge part of the equation for Medicare for All because yeah. you're not if be people can all of a sudden mm – -hmm. you're whistleblower didn't think of that. Yeah. But this prevents them from having competition. Yeah. 
So that it's, it's, it's is all part of it's all part and parcel with economic desperation. The fact that you need your job for your health benefits, the fact that they're not paying you very much, and the fact that you understand, especially in the last 20, 30 years, when you we no longer have an economy where you can actually believe for, for more than a couple of seconds that the job you get right out of college is the job you'll be retiring from with full benefits. There was a time when that was the norm. And it's not the norm yeah, anymore. Student debt. We, student student debt. debt. We have economic desperation on multiple, multiple fronts. If we got rid of any one of them, then the whole system becomes shaky and we start realizing that we have more power. And we can but you start... I think you probably would agree that Medicare for All is probably the center. Probably of the most important one. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, Medicare for All and a livable wage. You know, where you actually are able to pay for things, your wants and your needs out of your paycheck without having right. to reach for a credit card or go begging to a bank. And now you're in credit card and bank loan debt that you'll never be able to get yourself out of because our wages are so goddamn low. You know, it's, it's all economic desperation and deprivation by demand, by design. Yep. Uh, Carmen just asked an interesting question. How do we boost, how do we, how can we boost or teach empathy and compassion to the neoliberals? Because that's the holdup. Narcissists have taken rule. I, I have an answer for this. Sure, go ahead. You don't. No, I do. No, oh, no, 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 no. That's my answer. You don't. You, you don't. You don't try and you don't try and change the unchangeable. Mm -hmm. You. I mean, th this is a okay. <laughs> I'm going to try and make this short. CNN. Mm -hmm. People want to protest CNN. They want to stand outside. I, I just had a, a, a great debate with uh, Anna Evans. You, if you know who she is, I do. Uh, so we had a big, big Bernie versus Hillary debate, and CNN. Some people want to protest CNN. Stop being, stop being biased. Mm -hmm. Tell them, tell them that what they're doing is horrible. You want, they sure. want to stand outside their office with signs. Mm -hmm. I think that's dumb. Mm -hmm. Why change? Why and try and change the unchangeable? Mm -hmm. I don't want to spend a second of my energy doing that. Okay. What I want to do is I want to, I want to promote this kind of media, mm -hmm. promote the Young Turks, promote uh, the media that should be, mm -hmm. make that shine so bright. Mm -hmm. that it starts to attract the people who are trapped watching CNN. Mm -hmm. So that's how I want to spend my energy. But, but there are really are people that, that are desperate to reach the people who are staring at CNN, whether it's their mom or, or whoever it is, mm -hmm. they really want to reach them. Sure. And the only way to reach them is to go through the hall of mirrors that is CNN. Mm -hmm. So it is important to them to protest CNN. Sure. So to them, it's a, to them, that's how they want to spend their energy. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing wrong with approaching it from both ends. And there's probably other ways of doing it, too. I want to do this. They want to do that. And with, with, with uh, empathy with neoliberals, I do not want to spend a second of my energy doing that. Now, maybe some people can find, maybe some, people can find some value in trying to do mm -hmm. that. But I see yeah. that exactly as the same as the CNN thing, where... I don't want to try and change the unchangeable. I want to work on trying to maximize what is changeable, what I can do, yeah. make that shine so bright that it starts to become more attractive sure. than the not being compassionate. Well, I'll tell you, I think both are not only possible, but both are necessary. Uh, but one thing, if you don't protest CNN, nothing will change. You know, if you don't try, it's never going to happen. So by well, all means, try and if we have a nation of 360 million people, now a lot of those are conservatives, they're not going to bother. But let's, let's 
let's split it in half. You know, let's say we got, you know, 175, 200 million people that would be willing to engage in changing the conversation. We can split half of them and we get 130 million people protesting CNN. Don't tell me that's not going to make a change. And then another 130 people promoting, you know, alternative media. Uh, I think our primary, our primary need right now, you know, is to wake each other up. To, to my way of thinking, the primary goal should be to wake up the population, to wake up the population to the operational realities. And then we can have a conversation about what our national priorities are. But we can't have a functional conversation about our national priorities if we're all so caught up and arguing with each other over, you know, how is it going to get paid for? You know, because that is a that is a lie and a conversation that keeps us from having the actual conversation, because we have had a very successful campaign in this country about the American dream, what you're supposed to be able to have and that anyone can be rich if they work hard enough. So everyone, you know, believes, well, maybe not everyone anymore, but the the functional idea of the American dream is that anyone can be rich. You could be rich. I could be rich. Just come up with an idea and work your ass off and you can live in the mansion. And that functionally, either in the front of your mind or the back of your mind, says that we will have people in this country that will defend the rich. They will defend tax cuts for the wealthy. They will defend and they believe that taxpayer money goes to this and taxpayer money goes to that. We have to disassociate the idea of taxpayer money. It doesn't, I don't want to hear anyone anymore saying taxpayer money funds this. I don't want my tax dollars going towards this. I don't want my tax dollars going towards that. It's not your tax dollars going towards anything. Let's have a conversation about right. our operational reality, what are our, our priorities, and then we can talk about taxes after the fact. Well, okay. I, 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 so so uh, Mark is saying, so what's the commonality between neoliberals and progressives. I don't like the term neoliberals that, that, that uh, they don't want that. So I don't want to call them that, but it's, it's, I think there's an element of, they get something out of it and mm -hmm. they're afraid that if, if we push for better, if we demand, you know, we don't use money, uh, yeah. corporate money, then that guarantees that we lose. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we can't get what we want. So we have to, you know, you can't go to a knife fight with a spoon. Yeah. You can't go to a gunfight with a spoon. But, but it's, I lost my point. Go ahead. I'll, I'll find it again. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I, I understand what you're talking about, you know, but this is the, this is the point of having, of them wanting us to be talking about how do we pay for it. They get us having this, this argument, this conversation, you know, and it really is an argument, you know. Uh, so that they don't have to face the question of, you know, well, I don't want you to have Medicare for all because it's actually better for me if you are economically desperate and, you know, it's, it's better for my bottom line if you don't have what you need. That's a conversation and a question that scares the shit out of them, but it's the only argument they can have if everyone understands how we actually fund the federal government. If everyone understands right. that your tax dollars don't go towards anything, that we decide where we're gonna allocate the resources for the whole country every year, and then we tax 
to be able to deal with the ramifications of that spending. If yeah, we they, all understand not... that, then they can't come up with an argument that says you can't have Medicare for all, you can't have free college education, you can't have green right. Energy. But the, they're 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 comfortable in the current system. Yes, and they're afraid of if we push it farther, then we're going to get horrible. If we want, if we push for what we deserve, if we push for the whole loaf, then we're guaranteed to get the Republicans, which is, you know, negative 10. If we push for 10, then we're going to get negative 10. They're happy with three. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're getting, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's a sense, there's some privilege that they're afraid of losing. Um, and Perhaps. they're not interested, they're not, they're not interested. They, I, I think some people are just simply not I mean, first of all, they don't even know the issue exists. I didn't know the issue exists before a month or so ago. Yeah. This, I mean, that, that this was even something worth, that there was any meaningful something behind this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's like some, just, this is like the CNN thing. I don't want to spend my time trying to teach them what they're not interested in learning. Mm -hmm. I would rather try and reach all of the people who might be interested in learning to empower the, the hardcore progressives, like I, uh, I sure. I'm going to, you know this, I want to say this for the audience's sake, which is there is someone who is a really amazing Bernie supporter. She's really well loved and, and mm -hmm. respected. She has no clue what MMT is. And yeah. so she, she is seriously considering taking a leap and letting me teach her, which is fine because I know way more than her. Mm -hmm. um, so that, so that we can reach people who would never even have considered listening to yeah. this kind of conversation. Yeah. I would rather spend my time doing that. And there, but maybe you, maybe these people in, that are talking to us down, down here, they might be interested in trying to reach those people who are comfortable. You know, we, well, we, what I always say, you know, in, in there's a difference between protesting CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and all these things. How are you doing it? In, in what fashion are you doing it? If you're simply protesting outside then as long as there's cameras uh then that is valuable and if there's going to be cameras there should be a lot of people uh if you're going to be writing letters you know that would be annoying to them and they probably won't read them but if they got millions of letters you know i'm i'm all for being disruptive of their daily routines i would love to see them get millions of letters millions of emails more than they can possibly handle i would like to see them lose their shit just a little bit people and people in the street with cameras yeah absolutely uh what i would what i do you know uh is and i do it strategically in as much as first off do i have the time do i have the energy i'm doing like literally 10 million different things a day but when i see someone online say something I try to be as nice as I can, which is difficult online because you can't really convey tone, but I try to have a dialogue with them online. Now, when I do this, I'm not really trying to change their mind. I hope I am. It's, it's part of the goal. But what I really want is to have this conversation being played out. I want, because I know that other people are watching as well. If I'm not reaching the person that I'm currently engaged with, hopefully I'm reaching someone who's reading that post. If I, if I can pique anyone's interest and they start reading on their own, maybe they'll PM me and they do, uh, and they'll ask for more information and I can give them that, or maybe they'll just look it up themselves. Maybe they'll find Stephanie Kelton. Maybe they'll find Warren Mosler. Maybe they'll find real progressives. 
you know, maybe, you know, I'm reaching people that I have no idea. So when I have a conversation, you might call it an argument online, I'm not really playing to the person. I'm playing to the crowd. I'm playing. So everyone's witnessing that conversation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's all manner of ways in which we can reach people, in which we can have an impact. And we don't really know what kind of impact we're going to have until we put ourselves out there. So put yourself out there. Do something. Yeah, Mark, Mark, Mark just said uh, videos of an angry crowd, the commentators can write the script. But yes, it doesn't. But it, but it doesn't. It doesn't matter because mm -hmm. we have a government that we are afraid of mm -hmm. and we're supposed to have a government that is afraid of us. Yes. So if we can, if we can make them afraid of us again, mm -hmm. not for the fear of violence, yeah. but for the fear of that we are in control, we are the ones in charge, not you, mm -hmm. uh, then it doesn't matter what the commentators say. Exactly. It matters, yeah. how, it, matters, it matters how the powerful people feel. And, and I get what he's saying. You know, the commentator will be able to spin it any way that they want, but again, cameras on the ground you know if we can have alternative media if we can get the word out to the people you know i'm not worried about what cnn is going to be saying or fox news god only knows what they would say uh it's not so much what they're going to say on uh, on their air at least not in the short term but again if we actually had numbers large numbers and there's a lot of people in this country the we can split west up virginia west virginia is like one of the best things that have happened in it's a long huge. time it's huge you know, they got all 55 counties this time around. It's not just the teachers. It's everyone that works in the school, from administrators to school bus drivers to cooks to everyone. Yeah, and, and, and Mark, Mark uh, the, the people on the street and the commentators write the script. West Virginia was out in the street. Mm -hmm. All the teachers in public, especially teachers, but I, all public people were out in the streets. And the media, the commentators said that it was because of wages. Yes. But the truth is not that it was just wages. The yeah. truth is that wages were not living up to medical insurance yeah that was the problem that's the core of the problem is that that their wages were going tr tiny bit up but but medical insurance was mm -hmm. going up way higher than that yeah so that yeah. was the core of the problem and that even though the commentators try and try to make it that this is a wage problem yeah. that all they want is more money that the message which, still which got makes through. them which makes them look petty even though you realize that teachers don't make that much money for all the work they have to put in, they still have to buy their own school supplies. And right now they were what, 49th out of 50 in terms of wages for teachers uh, in the nation. That's not impressive. You know, why shouldn't they be asking for more money? And especially I mean, for education, for God's sakes, every election cycle, every time we talk about how important education is, we talk about the necessity of teaching children, the importance of the job of teaching, but then we go around and we treat them like shit every time they say they need to just have the audacity to say they need the funds to be able to do their jobs. We either care about children or we don't. And if we do, then we have to be able to pay teachers what is necessary to be able to do the job. And then on top of that, we have to pay them commensurate to the importance of the job that they are doing to the country to the nation, the education of the next generation. What could be more important than that? You're sending your kids off to these places. They're going to be spending more time with your kids than you will. I should think that we would be willing to pay them more than just uh, pittance, that we would actually be able to pay them in accordance with the importance we claim to have for their profession. And right. only it the federal government can do that. We could pay from a federal government perspective we can pay for all education from kindergarten, from preschool 
all the way through to your first PhD. We can pay it completely and totally with the federal government and we can administer it all at the state level. We will have a huge uh, uh, burden taken off of the state budgets, your property And taxes. you'll have a lot of people that are ready to take power. So Absolutely. they're not going to do that. So that's exactly. why we have to demand it. And West Virginia is just one more thing about West Virginia, which is remarkable because it was the, the uh, it was wildcat. Mm -hmm. So that meaning it was without the consent or approval or whatever of the union leaders mm -hmm. and going on strike is against the law in West Virginia, yes. but they still did it in all 55 counties and they have yep. inspired other things that are yep. starting to bubble and up. It's all probably going to happen in Oklahoma. I've heard rumors that it's going to happen in Florida. You know, th this is, this is seriously important, especially since, as you pointed out earlier that the uh, Supreme court's going to be taking up a very important uh, uh, union rights bill uh, yep. very soon. Uh, uh, I think that's currently being heard. Is it currently being heard? I thought it was uh, going to be. You know, so, uh, well, okay. it's inevitable if it's not already. Yeah. Uh, so we all have to be very... Uh, well, oh, no, no, you're absolutely right. They actually heard arguments last week. They're going to be determining the outcome, I think, in June before the court goes into recess. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you know, there's a lot of important things happening, and we've got to start paying attention, and we've got to start getting involved and, and voicing our opinion uh, vocally, forcefully. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to, to this end, I'm actually going to be running out of battery soon, so we should maybe try to find. Dude, a you got to get an external. You got to get an Hi, external no, battery, man, or plug it in. This. There are plugs, right? You have there a plug are, in your house. I'm on this new phone. I can either plug in my my microphone, you know, or I can plug in the uh, uh, the power. But I can't do both unless I spend fifty bucks, you know, to get okay. the splitter. All right, we got to start a GoFundMe for yeah. fifty bucks. Did I did I mention that wages are stagnant? <laughs> I don't have the discretionary funds for. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the last question is, do, does the ratio of debt to GDP matter? If so, how can it matter when the debt itself seemingly does not matter? Is that, well, is again, that yeah, no, it, it's perfectly clear. Uh, Stephanie Kelton, I think, puts it best. Deficit matters. It just doesn't matter as you think it does. You know, it matters in as much as where we spend that money. It doesn't matter how much we spend uh, you take a country like Japan, for example, has been spending 250% of GDP for God knows how long, and they can't crack inflation. They can't hit the inflationary target that they're aiming for. Uh, so they are proof positive that you can have a debt to GDP that is drastically higher than ours currently uh, and without any negative uh, consequential effects to the economy. So it never matters how high the deficit is, but it does matter where you're spending that money. Point being, it matters, are we making the kinds of investments that we need to be able to ensure that we are a productive enough society now and in the future to be able to handle the demands that we will be creating by spending all this money. So if everyone has a good job, if everyone has the money that they need through their paychecks to be able to satisfy their needs with housing and food and transportation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, plus all the savings that they want to be able to do to save for the future, to save for whatever they want to do, save for a large purchase, whatever it happens to be. And then on top of that, they have everything they need from their paycheck for discretionary spending. 
the question becomes, are we a productive enough society? Are we creating enough goods and services for this money to purchase? If the answer is yes, then we're fine. It's, you know, we, can, we clearly have productive capacities to be but the able question, goods to, and services to be able to handle to, what we're spending. And it doesn't matter how much money we spent to get there as long as we have not spent in excess of the country's productive capacity. To be clear, the question was ratio of debt to GDP. Uh, yes, well, that's pretty much what it, what it is. The GDP is how much you know, we have actually spent in the economy. How many things you said, have we created? You, how, much, you, how much money we have spent? How much things you're saying we deficit? I just want to be sure. Yes, we're saying deficit. Yes, well, well debt you know, to GDP, well, we, if you're talking about debt to GDP, we don't have to issue debt at all. We don't have to issue bonds. Debt is meaningless, right? Debt, debt is meaningless. Is, debt is meaningless. It's not debt. So therefore, debt to GDP doesn't make any sense either. Exactly. Because debt doesn't make any sense. Because again, okay. if you owe someone money, you, Jeff Epstein, or me, Jeff Ginter, if we owe someone money, especially if that institution is a bank, we don't issue our own currency. We have to earn it or we have to borrow it. So if we owe a bank that we will now have to pay back the principal plus interest. To you and I, that's a problem. But to the federal government, it's not a problem. And it's not a problem even if they actually spent the money that they borrow. But they don't borrow it. It is debt because the existing money that you are using to buy the treasury bond in the first place is a liability of the federal government. The dollars that you use, they are already liabilities. Just like the $1 bill that you have in your pocket is a liability. It is part of the national debt. The money you physically have in your hand is part of the national debt. So every dollar that someone, whether it be a foreign country, whether it be a corporation, whether it be a private individual that takes a portion of their dollars and buys treasury bonds that the federal government decides to sell, there's no difference. It is the same liability. It's the money that currently exists. It's not, it's not this magical thing that goes on exactly. into the future, but it doesn't All go on into the future. So this debt, uh, whatever, uh, going on to our children, generation, children's generation, no that doesn't make children. sense. That exactly. doesn't make sense. There was it's only no what currently exists. Absolutely. Okay. The burden to right. our children myth is exactly that. It's a myth. It's bullshit. It is designed to scare you shitless so that you will hopefully allow them to go into government surplus. We have okay. been conditioned to think that government surplus is a wonderful thing. But a government okay. deficit is our surplus. And their surplus is our deficit. We go into debt when they are in surplus. And we go into surplus when they go into debt. But the relationship right. is different. Our well, debt and it's is a more short-term. Right, not. right. Okay, okay. So you have to go? I, I should, yeah. I, I don't want to just okay. suddenly I have, I, have a, I have a lightning splitter, and <laughs> it's mine. But give me your give me. I don't. I haven't used it in a while. So sure. give me your address. I will send it to you. Okay. It's mine though. It's mine though. <laughs> um, that puts but, me but in debt to you. <laughs> for yes, but it's a barter debt. We're gonna we're gonna do this again, and this is what we're gonna use it for. Yes. Um, okay. All right. So you'll 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 tell me that. Uh, Absolutely. But okay. Okay. So let me just tell the people that that uh, we were intending to talk about um, you know Medicare debunking Medicare for all stuff. 
There's a couple of links in the uh, description. Uh, there's a really horrendous article that bashes Medicare for all, but uh, I, I did some research on the author of that article, and it's uh, pretty remarkable oh, who yeah. that author well, is. The, there is uh, one thing I want to say about that. I can sum it up in just a few sentences. You know, first and foremost, if you are a corporation, your first and only real question is how can I make the most money possible? If you are in healthcare, the Hippocratic Oath says first do no harm. So if you are in healthcare, your first question is what is in the best interest of my patients? And sometimes, in fact, a lot of the times, the best interest of your patient is going to be a money losing proposition. So right. if you are in business, you cannot be in the business of healthcare. That is the wrong business for you. You have to seek your profit elsewhere. That is a moral argument. Second, when this author you know, says that the National Health Service in England is going broke, when she says that it is evidence that single payer doesn't work, she doesn't also tell you that it is elements of the federal government of England that are trying to privatize the National Health Service. And that not they funding are it properly. Funding and, the doctors, properly. and the doctors are part of the government yes, in they are. England, as I understand it, they which is completely different government. than what we would do. Yes. You know, but, it, it, but functionally speaking, you know, whether it be in Canada, whether it be in England, whether it be in Australia, wherever there is socialized medicine, universal health care, whatever it is, if it's funded by the government, you must fund it fully. Imagine right. our military that does not get the money that it needs and it gets rinky-dinky old tanks and bullshit stuff and everything breaks down. Would that be evidence that the military doesn't work? No. It's evidence that the federal government doesn't spend on the military. Well, they're it's the narrowly same thing for health care. Very narrowly and technically true, but it leaves out the most important parts of the picture. Yes. You must fund it fully sufficiently to make it function, to make it work. You cannot choke money out of the system and then claim that the system doesn't work. Yeah, there was, there was a remarkable story recently of the, the insurance company guy who said that I've never looked at their records when I, yes. when I actually made decisions of what, whether yeah. or not they should be getting coverage. I never looked at their records. That, that really is, that's really like, that says it all of, of why privatization doesn't work. Yeah. Because they have no incentive to make it work. They, they actually have incentive to not make it work. And therefore, you have to not just, you have to fight with someone that doesn't care. Exactly. And not, and not educated and doesn't care. And mm -hmm. you're under stress and you have to, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's insane. You can't negotiate on your own behalf if, the, if what's at stake is your life or your death. That is not reasonable. Uh, if you're talking about- It's stressful about... enough suffering yeah. without having to, yeah. Absolutely. All right. All right, Jeff, so next time we're going to do a four-hour conversation. Yes. Because you will have power. <laughs> All right. Thank Absolutely. you, everyone. There's this whole conversation of cryptocurrency going on in the oh, comments here. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, don't even right. start on cryptocurrency. It's a wonderful commodity. Yeah. It's not a currency. Jeff, thank you very much. You're uh, very welcome. Maybe, maybe we could do this again in a few weeks. And, I look uh, forward to it. All right. Talk to you soon. Right. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Bye, Bye everyone. Thank you.